Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Good morning, Dr. Paul. Good to see you. Rainy see Monday. You here. Nice, <laughs> even though the weather doesn't look so hot. Yeah. Can't even mow my lawn today. It's too much rain and cold weather coming in. Not a good but idea. But not as much as the Northeast. Yeah. Somebody asked me if I like snow, and I said, yeah. I said, he said, but if you lived up in the Northeast, you'd probably get tired of it after a day or two. Yeah, exactly. So, but anyway, um, we're going to talk about a subject uh, I don't think our viewers are getting tired of because, in a way, it's a, a neat story. Yeah. yeah did the, the TST this week on, on it. That's the convoy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when we talked about it, I sort of asked you, I said, are you sure? We have to make sure this is the largest convoy ever. You checked it out, and yeah. it really is. Yeah. Uh, the people who keep all those records, it is a big convoy. And the big thing about what's going on in Canada, and we've admitted it uh, on the air, and that is our change in attitude. Uh, you know, I, my memory was 1960s, and we had a sort of perception of the Canadians. And I've I've been to Canada. We've had some supporters, but uh, we uh, Trudeau was a bad image for Canada. Yeah, no he gave him a bad impression, like maybe our president's given a bad impression to the Canadians right now. Yeah, yeah. So I think the truckers have done the world and the Canadians and Liberty. A lot of good. Yeah. Just think of the image. Image changes. But what I like about the convoy, it sort of feeds into my bully conviction that, uh, you know, the people finally settle things. Yeah. Yes, it's very important to have power and, uh, and, and you know, p political clout and all these things. And everybody, the media behind you and that sort of thing. Because on the short run, that's, they do have a lot of power and they rule. On the long run, the type of government that people have yeah, it depends on the uh, support from the people. You know, in a, in a way, I think you could argue the case that that the Soviet system collapsed because there was nobody nobody to pay the bills anymore, and the people lost support of it, and it was gone. And I think this is symbolized that. And then you say, well, that's just in Canada. They just have a few people up there. They yeah, they they live they live where it's very ah, but. But they, uh, they, they, they must have a powerful cloud for being a small populated country because the world is, looks like they're starting to fall. People, yeah. people are fed up with it. You know, at, at times, there's a lot of people might be agreeing with a few people who are saying things and are leading the charge and say, this is bad, this is bad. And they feel like they're alone and the uh, people in charge make you feel like you're alone. Then all of a sudden, when they hear a few more, wow, they join in. I think that's what's happening. They're joining, and it's not there. I hear there may be some American trucks. I told somebody the other day uh, that uh, if I lived a little closer, I'd get out my truck. There you go. And I'd join. <laughs> but I'm a little bit too far from that. All I can do is encourage them. Yeah. Because this, this is a great event, and this is, uh, this is an event we're, uh, you know, we're very cautious in using the word democracy, and democracy is very dangerous because if it's pure democracy, it's a dictatorship. 51% yeah. can do anything they want to the 49% because they're, they, they run the show. But that's not what this is all about. Yeah. You know, in economics and some social events, the majority, you know, uh, they, they are in charge. And in, in this case, the people have spoken, and that started early on, 
I was uh, very pleased with the crowds that sort of challenged the uh, lockdowns even a year ago. Yeah. You know, they started to say enough is enough, and uh, they say I'm not going to wear the mask, and people would turn out to by the tune of a thousand. But this is big. This yeah. is big. Millions. And it, and, and, and uh, uh, as far as I know, there are no guns, nobody's shooting and killing anybody. And yet uh, it's, it's in many ways, it's revolutionary in the sense it's challenging the status quo, which has ruled the world for two and a half years. And the people went along with it just because they have a sense of decency of not wanting to fight, fight, fight. Yeah. But right now, these peaceful demonstrations, they are great. And I... I hope they keep it up. Canada, yeah. keep going. Yeah. Well, the thing that terrifies the elites the most about this is this is a genuine working class rebellion. And the left loves to talk about how workers of the world unite until they actually do. Yeah. Then they don't like it oh, as yeah. much. So the elites are terrified of what's happening in Canada. They're furious and they're desperate to, uh, they're desperate to portray it as an extremist movement. Of course, you know, even as you wrote about in the weekly column, um, Trudeau himself said, this is a small fringe group with unacceptable <laughs> views. And then they all showed up in the millions. And, you know, I have not been to Canada, but my guess is in January at night in Canada, it's cold. And you watch those trucks going by, and thousands and thousands of people out there at night in the cold. I was just looking at a video of uh, a couple of young guys who are just out on the street making food. Anyone who comes by who needs some food. I think they've raised $10 million to pay the expenses of these just spontaneously. So this is a grassroots working class movement, and that terrifies the elites. And so here's what they do. Let's look at, I think this is the Toronto Star. Let's look at that first clip. The, of course, the media in lockstep with the politicians. Here's the Toronto Star with its headline. The truckers are flirting with extremists. They should call off their protest. That sounds a little bit like uh, desperation. I was looking earlier, uh, there was one person in the entire thing that they identified with a Confederate flag, and he had a ski mask pulled over his head so you couldn't see him, and immediately the press started saying, Confederate flags are out, Confederate flags are out. <laughs> and what happened actually is the people confronted him and said, get out of here with that. What are you trying to do? It reminds you a lot of the January 6th thing where they want to provoke this. But here's it, I'll turn it back to you, Dr. Paul, but when you talk about demonizing them, I think the king is the mainstream media, the, the CBC, and you mentioned this on your, uh, in your column, but let's put it up and listen to a media news talking head saying that this is all about Russia. Let's do that second one, the Russia one, saying this is all Putin's fault <laughs> yeah, that the truckers are. Let's watch this one and just maybe get a laugh at this individual. Uh, you know, given Canada's support of Ukraine, in this current crisis with Russia. It, I don't know if it's far-fetched to ask, but, but there is concern that Russian actors could be continuing to fuel things uh, as, this, as this protest grows, but perhaps even instigating it from, from the outset. Uh, so here she is, Dr. Paul, with zero evidence, nothing to show. She calls herself a journalist and she says, well, we, we shouldn't, uh, we, we shouldn't uh, guess that Russia is not involved with this. Yeah, right. Pretty soon they'll blame Trump. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's, but he's a colluder, so he already is in business with them, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah what, what a joke. I, I think truth wins out in the end, and that's what's happening now. But, you know, 
Uh, you talked about the cold. You haven't. You said you haven't been up there, and uh, I've been there. And we have supporters up there. I was, I was really pleased with our visit and gave a couple talks up there. Uh, but you know, th this is probably an ordeal. You know, you just don't get in your truck and start driving. Yeah. You, you gotta have a few logistics. I, I guess you gotta be concerned. Where's the next gas station? Yeah, yeah. And where am I going to get a cup of coffee? Where am I going to get my food? And all kinds of uh, of things. And then it's cold. Yeah. I bet they're all very, very depressed. <laughs> but I'll tell you what I predict. I'll bet you that we could find and will find that a lot of them are probably having a good, uh, you know, favorable sense of satisfaction yeah. in what they're doing because they're with like-minded people. They have a goal and the goal there convinces the right side of it. And uh, I think even stressful things like this brings people together and there's really a sense of satisfaction a lot different than what is supposedly the only way you can have satisfaction. So I, I think this is a, you know, a, a wonderful event that's uh, being witnessed. And, uh, you know, I don't know how many trucks we'll send. Sure hope. I hope we have a convoy and, uh, yeah. and, and the rest of the world's thinking about it. You know, who knows? Who knows how maybe there's people not just sick and tired of COVID. Maybe we were sick and tired of government even before COVID. Yeah, <laughs> we were sick, yeah. of, sick and tired of the Federal Reserve before COVID. Yeah. So and now now there's a lot of the reasons to be concerned and demonstrate because when they find out that uh, the standard of living and the inflation uh, didn't come uh, you know out of the sky and it it wasn't the labor unions or business people that caused it, but it was caused by the special interests at the Federal Reserve, they might start to demonstrate against uh, the monetary, the money managers and demonstrate against the special interest, the deep state and the yeah. whole works. And uh, that would be, it would be great to see it really spread and remain peaceful as this one has so far. Yeah. Well, you know what's so brilliant about the idea of a massive truck convoy? And it really is, it's amazing whoever thought it up. Because A, they're big. These things are big. They're big rigs. They take up a lot of space. They were able to literally shut down the capital, Ottawa, with, with these trucks. They can shut anything down. They're massive. And also where they're parked there, they're also not delivering goods. It is a kind of a strike, a general strike. The stores are going to be empty. People are going to notice. So it's really fascinating. Um, but you mentioned how it's spreading. And in fact, let's, um, let's go back and look at that first clip because I noticed this the other day. This is in the, uh, in the Netherlands. They're, they're, they're uh, also doing a truck strike modeled on the, on the uh, one in Canada. Let's just look at this for a second just as a demonstration. This is in the Netherlands. And they're planning one for the U.S. from California out to D.C. So this is going to catch on. It's easy. It doesn't take a lot of technical skills other than being a, a big rig driver, which itself is, a, of course, a technical skill. But these are so easy to replicate anywhere and everywhere that That's it's right. pretty brilliant. I bet they could find a few trucks in Texas. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. think Texas per capita has more trucks than anybody else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, it looks like the Canadians like trucks, too. But I want to, so, um, just before we, we, we move on to the next one, is just to bring up uh, Justin Trudeau. Because, as you know, he ridicules these people. They're nobodies. They're pff, a bunch of extremists. Well, as soon as they, he got word that they were coming to town, he went into hiding. He hasn't been seen. He claims that, he's, that he is uh, 
uh, quarantining because of COVID. Well, here's what uh, came out this morning. There's a couple things about this that are very interesting. Let's put on this next one. So here's a tweet from uh, the Prime Minister of Canada. This morning I tested positive for COVID-19. I'm feeling fine and I'll continue to work remotely this week following public health guidelines. Everyone, please get vaccinated and get boosted. He's triple vaxxed, he's double masked, and he gets COVID, and then he tells everyone else, you better get those shots because they're working so well. <laughs> yeah, this tells you how far removed he is from the people because he thinks that he's going to regain his popularity by saying, I, I'm going to continue to work while I'm here. I wished he wouldn't continue to yeah, work, really. you know, this whole thing that uh, it's mischief, you know, if, if the bureaucracy in this country are most, the principle of the bureaucracy, if they would just disappear, uh, you know, and get a, a, a productive job, yeah. what, what a difference the world would make. So I, I don't think him promising that he'll continue to work yeah. is much it's of a It's going to make promise. everyone feel better. Well, as our friends over at Zero Hedge, which we do read every morning, uh, they put it very well. Let's look up this next clip. Uh, this is what's going around on the internet too. Uh, they're calling uh, they're calling <laughs> the Canadian Prime Minister coward nineteen <laughs> instead of COVID nineteen. <laughs> He's disappeared, and the tide is turning. Let's look at the next one, then we'll we'll go on to the next topic. But the tide is turning in Canada. Here's a public opinion poll: a majority of Canadians now say it's time to end COVID restrictions and leave responsibility for isolation to those at risk i.e. the Great Barrington Declaration, right? This is up from 40% in early January. So in just one month, Dr. Paul, less than a month, a majority now say, we got to stop this. That's, that's great. That's, yeah, it's amazing how that yeah, happens. That's good. There's reason to be optimistic, yeah. uh, you know, and the key to it uh, is, is the ability to still have enough liberty to speak out. And that's where we should have had and continue to have some concern because look at the abuse of those individuals who were speaking the truth two and a half years ago. If they were listened to at the beginning, they could have avoided all this. But uh, eventually though, there was enough uh, of freedom that people got the message out and a convoy is hard to squelch that. I mean, there's a message there. So uh, I, I think that uh, uh, we have to use our tools that are available. Uh, of course, the only commitment uh, I think we should make is that we don't use uh, violence in an aggressive way. Yeah, and also stop the provocateurs who yeah. are trying to use the violence. <laughs> well, we, we haven't talked about Fauci in a while, Dr. Paul, and you know he's feeling jealous. He sent me a note this morning saying, please talk about me. So let's put up that uh, next clip and we'll talk about Fauci a little bit. He's got an opinion, <clears throat> Dr. Paul, he's not going away. And here's his opinion, if we can put that up. Fauci says children younger than four will get three doses of COVID vaccines. So Dr. Fauci has made his prescription. If you've got a kid, you got to give him three shots. Is he still a doctor? <laughs> you know, he, he doesn't, I, I was told he never saw a patient, you yeah. know, as a patient, but he sure has a lot of influence. And this is the thing that he's been exposed. I wonder if anybody keeps track of his general popularity. Uh, you know, I would think people are waking up to what he's been doing. I, I would think there'd be some negatives out there by now. Well, what, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No. I, I was going to say, what's interesting is that Fauci now comes out and says he doesn't seem to have a position of strength like he used to. And that's thanks to some people like Joe Rogan, who's in the news a lot, and we're not really going to talk about him today, but maybe we will later in the week, who has invited people like Dr. Malone and Dr. McCullough on to give her a different view. And these are people that are eminently qualified, unlike Fauci, have treated people uh, and have you know brilliant careers, 
So when Fauci says something like that, people are now going to start wondering, well, what did some of the other guys say, the guys that have been right? You know, and so that's, that's why, you know. You know, he was vacillating a bit here because there was one statement in this release. Fauci suggested that he wants to see the FDA authorize the vaccines, you know, for toddler. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't uh, laying the law down. Uh, like, you know, at times he, yeah. it's going to be this way. He said, my hope is that it's going, it's going to be within the next month or two, not much later than that, but I can't guarantee that. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Fauci said during an interview. But this is his quote. I can't outguess the FDA. I'm going to have to leave that to them. Oh, and I yeah. Thought, yeah, he, no influence at all. Yeah. The guy that has more power and clout over all the money that goes into the research and the vaccinations, and he gets a cut on that stuff. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. So, he's got some but, money in the uh, bank. He, he's going to, but right now, he's going to, I don't consider this, uh, you know, too encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> Except let the people know what he's really up to. But here's what's interesting. Now, Fauci says, give your kids three shots. Well, Dr. Malone has a different view. Let's put this up. And he's out there now. I think 50 million people have watched the podcast that he had with Joe Rogan. Uh, here's what uh, Malone says. He says, think twice. Think twice before you vaccinate your kids. Dr. Robert Malone warns parents on COVID-19 shots. And this is from the Epic Times that we put up this article. And there's a long... Uh, it's a long article about it. And here's the quote from, let's put it up here. He was on Epic TV's American Thought Leaders. Um, that next clip, here we go. And here's his rationale. Think twice before you vaccinate your kids because if something bad happens, you can't go back and say, whoops, I want a do-over. It's interesting. He said it's clear that parents should think twice about vaccinating their child and that serious adverse events can occur and could be severe enough to put your kid in the hospital. So. There's two competing views. We don't take a side for either of them, but, but now there is a different view that has you know, some prominence and people are considering. Here's the thing though that Dr. Paul, when I was looking at these two things, I'm thinking, well, when Americans, if they have the chance to choose between these two, how might they choose? And let's look at this next one. This is not good news for, for Fauci. Uh, this is a poll that came out just a couple of weeks ago. This is from the Daily Mail. Only 31% of Americans trust Fauci's COVID advice and just 45% approve of Biden's pandemic response. So basically, Americans' trust in Fauci is cratering, uh, and it, it just makes you wonder how it will affect the parents' decisions on these things. Boy, maybe there'll be a day we'll be sending him a sympathy card. <laughs> yeah, in prison. <laughs> uh, you know, on Dr. Malone's statement, when I looked at it, I thought, you know, that's important. I imagine our audience would like to get an update on this, and they know the name. And I thought, you know, I, I just don't have the energy to do this because uh, in a way it was depressing me, yeah. you know, because he's, he's doing what I believe his very best job to reveal truth to us and what, what's going on. And here he's telling us that, uh, you know, be, beware because this is not uh, take a shot and if you don't have a problem next week, there's no big deal. What he's saying, you can have some of those short-term uh, complications, but he, he's warning about the long-term complications. That's interesting. And he doesn't even quite, you know, say, you know, we believe that uh, there's a percentage who are going to die within the first six months after he shot. He doesn't get into that at all. Matter of fact, he, uh, he doesn't even try to pick up on that, but he's talking about warning people, you know, don't get overly 
confident, uh, confident that, you know, oh, yeah, oh, I heard uh, my family's all had it and the kids have all had it. It's been six months and they're doing fine. They never yeah. knew they had Well, he's saying that some of these complications can go go a long time. And uh, that, that, that to me is depressing because what because some of these things can, uh, you know, become a complication five or 10 or 15 yeah. years. By that time, they're going to forget about, you know, the warnings, you know, back at this time. That's why, you know, I, I developed such caution in OB for a lot of reasons. Medically, uh -huh. you know, it just wasn't a good idea uh, having pregnant women take anything, especially the first three months. But I didn't like it anytime yeah. so i had rules don't take it if it's not life-threatening you don't need this and yet they uh uh right right now the doctors just give too much and yeah and there's so many of them behind this i have it'd be interesting to see uh, how many how many doctors uh, support this and how many object but i think the majority of them is go along because i can't rock the boat you yeah. know uh, and and i have to belong to it I, i'm in the ama i have to belong to the ama <laughs> yeah. and all this stuff so well you know i'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination on this but you know it was considered just a few months ago very fringe if you repeated the idea that these vaccines can affect menstruation and now it's actually in the mainstream it's new york times saying that well they've discovered that this can so you're right if there's down the road if there's some sort of reproductive issue um then it's going to be a real problem. Well, let's move on. We've got a couple more to cover. These are some smaller stories, but it's just worth to kind of bring up because you may not see them. Let's put up this next clip if we can. This is out of South Carolina. Dr. Paul, you noticed that this morning. A newly proposed law in South Carolina would make it a crime to ask about vaccine status. Interesting idea. Yes, and uh, most people know exactly what we're talking about and i think the the enemy is the you know government agencies or power given to the uh corporations to do it and they intimidate just like uh, all the vaccinations and the lockdowns and everything else the businessman carried out the orders oh we're not forcing them to do this and uh, if you don't you just lose your contract yeah uh, that sort of thing but uh there's, there's probably, you know, you know, if I was just looking around to make sure there are no exceptions, there probably are. But there were exceptions on, uh, on vaccinations, and we preached that, you know, yeah. uh, you, you know, the person, the people who uh, were in nursing homes and sick, you don't go in there and give them the shot. So a, a little common sense, a little bit of emphasis on the doctor-patient relationship and a little emphasis on uh, denying such a wonderful, wonderful uh, exposure to the wrong ideas where yeah. they get in and they control the media and the government and the corporate world yeah. and the pharmaceutical industry. You know, that's, sort of, that's where the real problem is. But I think in spite of all those obstacles, I think uh, uh, the people who have opposed this have made great progress and a lot of credit goes to doctors like Dr. Malone. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's move on to the last one if we can, and this is an interesting one because it's a pretty good news story. You know, UK has been one of the worst countries on, you know, you have a vax mandate, you can't do this, you got a full shutdown, you got this, you know, this going on. Well, let's look, this is from the Telegraph uh, in the UK, and if we can put this uh, next one up, if we can hit the next, actually the next one, the next clip, here it is, from the Telegraph. Exclusive, U-turn on mandatory COVID vaccinations for NHS, that's our health system, and social care workers. And the first line says it all, Dr. Paul, mandatory COVID jabs for NHS and social care workers are to be scrapped. 
the Telegraph can reveal, after warnings of crippling staff shortages if the plan went ahead. I wonder when they figured that out. <laughs> you know, I find this, and I've mentioned it a lot of times because I believe it's true, is that the evidence for the downturn uh, was already present before the COVID broke out, and that was an opportunity to do the things that might uh, hide a little bit of the effects that people would say, well, maybe it's the Fed's fault doing this. So they, uh, you know, got into it. So there was a reason for, you know, a downturn in the economy and staff shortages, but nothing like what has happened. You know, yeah. the, I mean, it's just been a disaster. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of people out of work, but a lot of people, uh, a lot of jobs available. And so they've destroyed the marketplace of supply and demand of labor. So this has been uh, difficult. And, you know, the other thing that interests me on this is that uh, who's, who did they do this for? They finally, well, we need workers to take yeah. care of. Well, I, oh, that's fine. I'm sure that they'll all take the shot. But it turns out that the resistance was very strong there. Their jobs were threatened, and they they developed a, a strong belief that these shots aren't. I don't need my shot, yeah. <laughs> you know. And and therefore they they were witnessing. You know, I bet there's how many how many cases have we reported, and how many reports have there been on people who have had the vaccination and came down with the COVID, and and then they they're so diehards they say, oh that's okay, uh, but I wasn't as sick as I could have been. Yeah, how but, do you, you know? know? You might not have even gotten sick yeah. if you didn't have anything. There's a lot of people who have had natural immunity and no symptoms when they uh, when they had the COVID. Yeah. So. It's- well, anyway, I'm gonna, I was going to close with okay. something if we're pretty much exhausted. And this is another one of the hypocrisy ones. You know, the, uh, the L.A. Rams are back in L.A. They played in the championship uh, yesterday, and they were successful, and they're going to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, I've never been a big L.A. Rams fan, but, you know, I'm sure a lot of people in L.A. are happy. There are some elites that went down and watched the game, and that's not surprising. Let's put up this next one. Oh, yeah, there's Gavin Newsom. There's Magic Johnson. Oh, there's uh, London Breed, the mayor of... Uh, San Francisco, there's the mayor of L.A. over there. They're all hanging out. And they got smiling faces because they're not wearing masks. Unlike the kids who live in these, and this is Libs of TikTok who says, while five-year-olds are forced to mask all day in California, Gavin Newsom and the mayors of L.A. and San Francisco are enjoying packed events maskless. Hypocrites, Dr. Paul. It is. It's hypocrisy. And it's this assumption, though, the philosophic assumption is that people who have this power, especially if they've been there a while, and I'm thinking right now of the Speaker of the House, that uh, a lot of laws were written and they were supported by uh, the politicians, but they don't envision, they haven't envisioned themselves, the people saying, well, you have, you can't, you have to obey the laws too. Oh, that's, that's really old fashioned. Where'd you get, where'd you you get that (laughs) idea? And uh, that, that is the, that, that is the real problem. Uh, But, you know, it's sort of like, what I'd like to see is that uh, the members of Congress, we could start with them or anybody in the bureaucracy that's going to make a buck and everybody that works in the pharmaceutical industry, they all get the vaccination first, yeah. <laughs> you know, let them do it. And that's the reason, reason I suggested that, uh, you know, if, if people, you know, this would have occurred in the 60s, get the draft, get the kids, 
They're not well organized. The 18-year-olds tell them it's their patriotic duty to save the country, save the Constitution, preserve our liberties, and uh, draft them and send them off to war, and 68,000 of them die. But uh, the people who vote for that stuff should be the first ones to fight the wars. Yeah, that makes you know, sense. in the old days, there was a little bit of that. Yeah. The, the king would call the troop, but the king usually would go, would go out and say, this is a battle, I'm going to be in there. Yeah. So that was, but this is the opposite. Now Now the king the king hides at the biggest, fanciest restaurants possible yeah. because nobody else is allowed in. They want their property. So that's a sad part of, of what's going on. So they, they, and that's a, that's a pretty old principle about, uh, you know, the, the administrators of the law, the, the politicians and the kings have to live within the law. That would go a long way to solving some of these problems that uh, they'd like to brush off. But we have found on this program that one of the most interesting things that people are, are, are engaged in when we talk about the hypocrisy. Daniel already mentioned it. When the hypocrites, it's, uh, it's another, uh, no, it's, not, it's every bit as bad as saying you're a cotton-picking liar. Uh, that's what they are. Is when, but the hypocrisy, you know, is very annoying, especially when some of the people who are the victims, you know, are are suffering. That's why I'd love it to see that the people right now who are suffering from a lower standard of living, the cost of living going up, and they are getting poorer, and they will be losing their jobs, and they're not doing well, and the rich getting richer. That people have to say, well, this is a good system. People have given us welfare, and da da da. And all these things that we do, yes, but the victims, the victims aren't seen. The people who drove to this law did it for on purpose, and it happens to be a steep state out there. It's involved in the banking industry, the medical industry, the military-industrial complex industry, the whole works. It's a powerful force, but just like what is happening now, you know, there's another convoy coming. And the convoys will keep coming. And if they can't think up of an object, they won't have any trouble finding out where their liberties have been taken from them and want to say, let's go. We need a convoy to wake up the government and tell them to get out of our lives and get out of our pocketbooks and let us take care of ourselves. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.